0: Hello, and thank you for listening to this Fund Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts, and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fund Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at fundboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. <laughs>
1: Good afternoon. If you're just joining us, welcome to the Fund Boards Council webinar where we'll be discussing the SDR and how Fund Boards are preparing. And I'm even more delighted to welcome our speakers who very kindly have given up their time. Uh, We have Susan Spiller uh, from Royal London Asset Management. We have Martin Kearney who's joining us from Lion Trust and Dawn Hyams who is an independent non-executive director uh, currently sits on the St. James's Place Unit Trust Group Board. So welcome to all three of you. So with no further ado, I'd like to uh, invite each of our panelists to introduce themselves. And I'm going to start with Susan.
2: Great, thank you. Uh, So as Brandon said, I'm Susan Spiller. I am um, Head of Proposition at Royal London Asset Management. And I also sit as Executive Director on uh, one of our UK fund uh, boards
1: lovely Martin
3: yeah uh, Martin Carney I'm Chief Compliance Officer at Land Trust Uh, and like Susan I also sit on the uh on our fund boards as well and we've got a we've got a a range of of funds some of which are more directly impacted um by SDR so yeah happy to join the discussion
0: thanks Brandon yeah as you said I'm an independent non-exec director for SJP's fund board Um, I also consult to the Wisdom Council and through them I have been working with the Investment Association and some of their policy responses to SDR and for my sins I've been sitting on the FCA's Disclosure and Label Advisory Group uh, as as the customer voice in in the mix on all of this.
1: Brilliant, well I'm delighted we've got representation from executive and non-executive directors and and quite a breadth of different things that we uh, hopefully can draw upon today. So let's let's dive right in. And the first question is starting very, very high level for a moment. How is your firm approaching preparing for the SDR in general? And what role do you think the fund board plays in overseeing the work? Uh, or is everything being driven by the investment manager? So really just keen to understand how in each of your organizations, how this is being done. So we'll start again with Susan, if that's all right.
2: Great. So, um, yeah, I think probably like any large regulatory project. Um, it all starts with a, with a with a gap analysis, with engagement across the business, um, including inputs from compliance, from product, from portfolio managers, quite importantly, for this particular registration, as well as areas like marketing. Um, and our approach has definitely been driven by the FCA's timeline, which clearly is anti-greenwashing. I know that's slightly beyond sdr but it's all related anti-greenwashing in may the potential to start using labels in july and then the requirement for the disclosures by the end of the year so uh, and you also asked about our the board more broadly clearly the um executive directors are very involved because they sit within the business and many of them are part of the project um the independent directors are quite obviously very interested and want to know what we are doing. Um, they are, as they are for all big projects, like with Consumer Duty last year, updated throughout the project. But ultimately, um, the, bus- the business is where the project is driven from. Um, but clearly, we want and ask for um, input and challenges from the, those non-execs, but they are not, you know, th- that's more of a briefing and an input than driving the project.
1: Fair enough, and Martin, what about what about in your shop? Yeah,
3: I mean, I would say it, it's very similar uh, to, to how Susan has described it as uh, just there. And um, I think a lot of that, as Susan said, is driven by the, the timelines. There are a couple of key timelines that, that take effect quite quickly. Um, and um, quite frankly, I think the business has just almost had to get on with, with some of this rather than going through cycles of, of, of board meetings um, to get to get things approved. So uh, the board is kept uh, appraised, they're, they're interested obviously, but um, the board is, is, is cracking on with that and, and similar to, to Susan described it, various parts of the business from compliance, uh, product, fund managers are, are involved in that um so yeah b- very very similar i
1: would say
0: Dawn, what about your side yes so no you won't be surprised to hear it's it's not a dissimilar picture i i think um i i would say as a, as a ned it definitely feels as though oversight of what's happening sits in the board's remit when you think that the uh, original principles were in the letter that came to the AFM chair. So I think from a regulatory standpoint, there's no doubt that we should be interested as a board. Um, <clears throat> I think to Susan's point, a lot of the hard graft is happening in the business uh, under the kind of executive uh, lines of responsibility. So for, as a Ned, I'm I'm mostly concerned about um, feeling comfortable that the business is taken on board that they have to worry about this <laughs> and that they are going through that kind of auditing process. If it's on the anti greenwashing side or um, understanding on a kind of product by product basis, what's, what's impacted ensuring from my perspective, that there is a structure around that and that there are going to be ongoing controls. And I, and I think I, for me, actually that intersectionality between anti-greenwashing, TCFD, SDR, all of these requirements are now kind of handily summarised in the ESG source book. I I think just having an awareness of what the board is expected to have oversight of is helpful. Uh, And absolutely in between board meetings, it's useful, certainly from a personal perspective, to catch up with the team and to understand, just to understand how they're feeling about it, whether or not they have any concerns and... and, uh, where the risks are you know are there any potential uh, headaches for the business in, in implementing all of this because there's a lot to do in a relatively short space of time
1: and, and fascinating there so you you, you picked up on uh, a key golden thread to some extent Don. in terms of 2021 we had the dear authorized fund manager chair where where the fca very clearly set out some guiding principles for how they expected uh, ESG funds to be overseen and, 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 and managed in terms of uh, some of the messaging and the anti-greenwashing measures, which, as you say, are not new, but we've now got a deadline looming in, in May. We've um, yeah. got the, the deadline of sort of December for the, for the wider SDR. And I wonder if we can talk a bit more about what you are aware from a uh, certainly from a fund board perspective, but of course, Martin and Susan, you'll draw from your executive experience. What's actually going on? What are what are organizations doing to get ready for the anti-greenwashing deadline? And how is it linking to work that you may already be doing or have in train to address some of the FCA's feedback from November last year as to where perhaps firms were not necessarily uh, achieving everything that had been signposted in that 2021 Dear AFM Chair Letter? So Susan, if we could start again with you.
2: Sure, so I think, you know, as you say, it's it's been an iterative process coming from the FCA, um, starting back in 2021, November of last year, now the anti-greenwashing. I think actually in a lot of ways, that they've each built on each other and they've, they've helped us to, all of us probably across the industry, to better understand the FCA's views on kind of good and poor practice in these areas and kind of the, uh, the kind of growing expectation um, of what is needed by all of us in order to do this the right way. So, I think, in a way, similarly to our broader SDR project, you know, it all starts with a bit of a gap analysis um, and thinking about what it is uh, that we are saying to customers now what are we disclosing to them how are we marketing to them so and that and it continues to build from there it probably also involves training to people across the business about what is meant by anti greenwashing for example how what is the fca saying to us how do we start to think or continue to think about how we enhance what we're doing in order to ensure that we are meeting those requirements. Um, And similarly, in in kind of updating and briefing to the independent directors, um, it's taking them, helping them understand what our journey is and what is the path that we are following so that they can kind of come along with us.
1: Fair enough. And Martin, from, from your side, uh, people beavering away and getting ready for this anti-greenwashing uh, deadline?
3: Yes, I think that's that's a fair description uh, and I think that's probably one of the elements that's certainly keeping us most busy right now, I would say, and clearly because that deadline is is, is fast looming. I think um, when the rules first came out and the headlines came out and maybe before I had a chance to really take a look at the rules, I probably, Maybe a bit naively, just assumed. Okay, well, this isn't really going to impact us because, you know, we we don't we don't greenwash currently. Um, but of course, when you get into the the weeds on the rules, um, it it's uh, it goes a lot uh, goes a lot further than uh, as I say my initial uh, preconception. So, to give an example, we've got we've got age investment teams, um, and it's the and, and it's one of those teams that are likely to use a label. Um, but it's it's not that team that are really going to be impacted by these rules. It's our other seven teams, and they are not. Uh, they they won't be using a label, but they all in some way integrate ESG along along that spectrum. Um, and for example, one of those teams have Article Eight funds in in, in Ireland. Um, but it's about what we can say uh, in marketing material. Um, in relation to what they do, factually, without that appearing that we we're we're, we're, we're saying more than than we actually do. Um, so um, so I think it is it is going to be a challenge. Um, going back to your point about you know the beavering away. So we we are um, we're actively in, in, um, engaged in that project. We're um, we're looking to speak to all of those. Um, investment teams to to communicate that message what what would be expected what would be allowed uh going forward same with our marketing material marketing teams and our um and our sales teams to to communicate uh what may change uh, so what may have been fine up to now and up until may um may not be fine post may and so that that is a bit of a challenge um but yeah we're, we're working we're working on that
1: Fair point, and Dawn. I think drawing on both your, you know, your experience uh, in your in your INED role, but you know, feel free with your other hats on to, to comment on what you see happening in the in the industry.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting, isn't it? I think I think the the big focus before um, SDR was published was really thinking about labels and and what would happen with labeled funds, but I I suspect that the bigger headache. Um, It is really going to be around how how you disclose sustainability characteristics for those funds that don't actually meet requirements for a label. And and certainly trying to articulate those sustainability characteristics to to customers when you're not cleanly labelling the fund, I think is going to be a big big challenge. And and it's also about... um, Obviously, at SJP, we've got the we have a vertically integrated model. So, so I I know that the business are looking at that audit trail from an anti greenwashing perspective through not just it, uh, around kind of pure uh, fund uh, and product communications, but really a communication that ha- that sits around that product and the advice process uh, kind of through the line, which is is pretty <laughs> pretty intensive audit, I think, of all of the communication around what for us is largely um an embedded esg plus policy i say plus because we do actually have um carbon intensity targets and that kind of thing for example so it's not just about stewardship but so i, I think i think it's unpicking some of that expectation and, and really how to clearly articulate uh that that disclosure piece i think that's probably a bit of a headache that's with my kind of non ned hat on i think as an ined it's just about understanding the the you know the pressures that that are on the team when they've got so much regulation hitting them in a relatively short space of time and and um whether or not that kind of regulatory fatigue is impacting resource and and kind of readiness and i'm not suggesting that there's any lack of intent from the guys to get this over the line but they're just they are juggling so many different pieces at the moment anybody who has uh you know esg or responsible or sustainable in their job their job title is suspect suspect is working some pretty long hours at the moment so i think i think that's my as a ned part of my uh I just want to be reassured that the, the business can deliver to those deadlines because some of them are pretty tight, particularly where you're looking at reviewing objectives and prospectuses and all that kind of stuff. And as as a board, you do have to worry about that because that feeds into the AOV process. And, you know, there's all of that cross-reference between SDR and consumer duty. So um, I, th- I think that that complexity um, is where, as, as Susan says, you, you do need a degree of... Uh, kind of interim updates just to, to, to have that comfort factor that you're, that everything's on track. We hoped you enjoyed that 15-minute uh, excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.